This is the Non-Microwave Truth, brought to you by Time of Grace Ministry, and I am C.L. Whiteside. Let's get into our first world problem right away today. The Book of Eli, movie that came out in 2010, Denzel Washington. First of all, have you ever seen a bad Denzel Washington movie? I really can't name one. You'll be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I'm finished with you. Name that movie. That's training day. But his best movie probably, I mean, acting wise to me personally is, is John Q. But let's get back to the book of Eli. In the book of Eli, Denzel Washington, it's like some major explosion happened and everything in the world went backwards. So we got rid of all technology for the most part. And Denzel Washington in the movie is carrying around a book. And he's like on some superhero stuff to get this book from one part of the country to another part of the country. And it appears or seems like this is the last of this book. And you know what book it is? The book is the Bible. So I got two questions for you. One, do you think that the Bible is the most important book in mankind? Is the Bible the most important book in our society, in our world? And the second part of my question is, was Denzel Washington blind in the movie Book of Eli? Because if you remember, the Bible he was carrying around was actually Braille. So that's why, I mean, you just got to go watch the movie. Go back, and if you haven't watched the movie, Book of Eli, go check it out. And just thinking about that movie, it made me realize, like, God will go to any measure to preserve his word. It also made me think, like, if something really, really bad did happen, where we got ripped of all our technology and books were scarce, God will preserve his word, best believe he would. And it just makes me appreciate how God has made sure his word has been preserved and not tampered with. So we have two first world problem questions today. The first one is, do you believe that the Bible is the most important book in mankind? And the second question is, was Denzel Washington in the book of Eli, was he blind? Because remember, it was a book of Braille. And remember, the reason I say this is because Braille is the system that people who are visually impaired use to read. And they like put their fingers across it and read it versus looking at it. But what do you think? I would love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife 23 and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is put the Bible to the test like you think you do other things. Now think about this. In our culture, in our society, we pick and choose what we put to the test all the time. I can remember vividly people expressing how they did not want to get the COVID shot and they did all this research and they didn't want to put random things in their body. But then they smoke weed and it's like, did you grow that weed? Ha! <laughs> but they were comfortable with that, though. And then I know people like to test and question the government. I mean, I, I do that, too, from time to time. Or how about the conspiracy theories? Like, did 9-11, did the Twin Towers really just fall from the planes? I don't know, you know. But, like, what I'm really getting is, is the fact that some people will spend hours, days, months, years of their life researching this type of thing. But do people ever do this with the Bible? And I started thinking about this, the holidays, you know, you get together with family and friends and we were having a conversation one night about God and the Bible. And they 
kind of made it seem like they believed in the Bible. But then when I got to asking them questions, they're like, well, I don't believe that about the Bible. And I don't believe that about the Bible. So they kind of believed that the Bible was like a good message, but not the actual precise truth. And I'm like, you don't believe in the Bible then. You just believe it's a good story here to help us live by. So, you know, the follow-up question I ask is, you know, how much of the Bible have you actually read? And usually people haven't read it. And if they did, they read it as a kid. And it's like, dude, you are a grown man or woman now. You have to read that as an adult because you're not the same person now. And then I always ask them the question, but like, what if you're wrong? What if you are wrong about the Bible being inaccurate or the Bible being false? Now, the devil, the devil wants you to believe you ain't got time to read the Bible. You don't have time to research the Bible. Or he wants you to believe it's just not that important. It's no big deal. But it is that important. And I'm begging and I'm pleading for you to read the Bible. And first thing you can start with is by listening to this whole episode. Don't just take snippets and pieces. Listen to the whole episode. Because the thing I notice is there is so much information out there and people just take that new information like it's God's word, like it's perfect, like it's the truth. But they don't test it. They don't research it. They just take it. And on the opposite end, people hear something against the Bible. And they don't test it. They don't research it. They just take that information like it's fact and they never read it for themselves. Now, of course, when I have these conversations, it's usually a few reasons on why people give that they don't believe in the Bible or don't believe that the Bible is true. And one of the big things, and this came up when I was talking to these people that night, is that they don't believe the Bible because of how many Christians, and I put air quotes around that, have done evil. And some examples would be like Christians. Christians started slavery. There were so many Christians who used the Bible and said that in the Bible, it says that these people should be good slaves. I don't mess with the Bible anymore because of that. Or you know what? How many people have went to war over this stupid book called the Bible or being a Christian? Or you know what? There are so many people who are full of hatred. Christians are so judgmental. They're so full of hate. They think their way is the only way possible. And that's why I don't mess with the Bible. And I understand and get those reasons but you have to understand that just because someone does something in the name of Christ doesn't mean it's the actual fruit of Christ or that is Christ like. And this is something if you people actually read the Bible, the Bible warns against this type of behavior. This being people who say they're Christians or doing God's work in the name of Jesus, you need to do whatever, fill in the blank. And then they use that to manipulate or to lie and try to get people to do what they want. Remember, I always say this. Those are half truths and the most potent lies tell half the truth. And I'm just going to give you actual scripture that talks about some of the things that people actually hate when people say they're doing this in the name of Christ or they're doing this in the name of Jesus. Second Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13. It says these people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. But I am not surprised. Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So if you didn't catch it, that passage is saying people are going to lie. People are going to be deceitful and they're going to say they're doing it in the name of Jesus. I follow Jesus, but they don't. 
Another passage that warns against this comes from Matthew chapter 24 and starts at verse 4. It's Jesus' answer, watch out that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name. Did you see that? For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but to see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. And I'm going to skip a verse. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. That's describing this world now, is it not? And this is just two passages that I'm reading to you that warn us. It's a bunch of passages in the Bible that warn against the exact thing that people can't stand. And that's when people do things in the name of Christ. And it's actually wickedness or it's actually hate filled or it's actually evil. But, you know, a lot of people don't know this because they don't actually read the Bible for themselves. They don't actually research it a little bit. But as you can see, our God knew this type of thing was going to happen. And since he knew it was going to happen, he warned us in his word. But the thing is, a lot of us are not reading his word. And that's what I'm saying. Put the Bible to the test like you do other things. The second point that a lot of times people bring up on why they don't mess with the Bible or why they don't trust or believe the Bible is they just say, I, I can't get over the fact that some dude named Jesus rose from the dead. Like that can't be real. That has to be made. That's like fairy tale type stuff. But Jesus Christ indeed did die on the cross and indeed did rise. So Christianity, Christianity is based on Jesus rising from the dead. If that didn't happen, the whole book is pointless. And I can admit that, but he did. There are over 30 plus Christian sources. There are over even more importantly, not more importantly, but equally important is that there are at least nine non-biblical sources within 150 years of Jesus life that say that the disciples believed he rose, believed he was God and were willing to die for Jesus. These are non-Christian sources, non-Christian writers or historians, I should say, that recorded that Jesus died on the cross. People believe that he rose. And on top of this, his closest followers, the disciples, they died some crazy, gruesome types of death. Now, I just want you to think about this. No one, I repeat, no one would die for something that they knew was a lie, especially if telling the truth would make their life easier and more comfortable and they could have riches and they could have fame like that is just stupid, flat out stupid. Nobody is stupid like that because you have to realize the disciples would know if Jesus really died or not. They would know if he really rose or not. So you have to put yourself in their position. Would you tell a lie and say, yep, Jesus rose from the dead, knowing that that's going to bring more pain and suffering to you? When you really could just, if he supposedly really didn't rise from the dead, you could say, no, he didn't rise. And then people would reward you. 
Like you're not going to make up a lie to suffer more and have a rougher life and die some crazy death. That is that makes no sense. That's insane. And like I said, there are like 40 plus sources that let us know the disciples believed that he rose, believed he was God, and they died for Jesus. Died some type of crazy life. And I just want to look at it from the Bible. First Corinthians states that over 500 people saw Jesus at one time. 500. So many people saw the risen Jesus. And I know some people like, ooh, that, that back then they was high. Or maybe they was just seeing stuff like, nah, fam, come on now. I had a professor who was like, there's no such thing as mass hallucination. And I got breaking news for you. Hallucination is not contagious. So 500 plus people hallucinating and seeing the same thing. Nah, it doesn't. Nah. So those are eyewitnesses. And if you read the Bible, you read these biographies of Jesus. There are over 140 eyewitness details. And you know what? There are some embarrassing details. And I know some of you might be thinking, well, what do you mean by embarrassing details? If I'm going to make up a story, I'm going to make myself look better. I'm going to make myself look like the hero. I am not going to put embarrassing stuff in there unless it actually happened. And you just want to be as true and as accurate as possible. So I'm going to give you some examples. The disciples, the people that were closest to Jesus, who were taught by Jesus for three years, you know what they did? They ran away when he died. They ran away like some little cowards. And you know who happened to be the, the brave ones? The women. The women were the ones who were still out and about. The women were actually the first ones that Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. So think about this. If you were making it up, wouldn't they have wanted to sound like a boss and not look like cowards? Like, right? Now, some other embarrassing details about themselves is when Jesus appeared to the women after his resurrection, the disciples, they didn't believe the women. So think about it. If you're making up this story, you're going to make yourself look like a hero. And like I said, if you were making this up, you probably wouldn't have women be the first eyewitnesses because in that period of time, women were not considered credible witnesses. They were looked down upon or lesser. So the disciples best bet if they were making this story up was to be like, you know what? I saw him first because I'm a man. Oh, oh, oh. But they didn't do that because it wasn't the truth. Another embarrassing detail that the Bible includes is one of the key followers, one of the 12 disciples. The only way that he was convinced because he was so skeptical. He was only convinced because he got to touch Jesus's wounds. That's embarrassing, especially if he's supposed to be one of the key followers and one of the main people who should believe. But he didn't. So you got eyewitnesses. And like I said, over 140 eyewitness details with over 500 eyewitnesses. And on top of it, it's not even like a biblical fact, but just a historical fact is the fact that Jesus died on a cross. I know the Quran says that Jesus wasn't crucified, but like, come on, that's a fact. That is a historical fact that any historian would agree upon. It's just too many details. Like, have you ever heard somebody lie before? Did they have a lot of details or a little details? Most people that I hear lie, they usually try to get in and out of the story. The more details they provide, the more ways you can find out that they are lying and the fact that their lie could be exposed. The gospel writers in the Bible, they tell a lot of details, and that's because they were telling the truth. Now, I want to read something to you from 
a book called The Case for the Real Jesus. This is from Lee Strobel. I believe he was a journalist who was out on a mission to prove that Christianity was false. But then in his investigating, in his research, he realized like, dang, this mess is actually real. Now, this is from his book where he writes about a young lady who is Muslim who challenges him. It says, some years ago, I met a Muslim girl who was interested in Christianity. She came to me with six handwritten single space pages of supposed discrepancies in the gospel. She had been taught by Muslims that if you can find one error in the gospels, then you can't believe anything they say. She said to me, you're going to have to answer every single one of these before I can believe anything about Christianity. My response was, don't you think this list proves that the writers didn't conspire and collude when they wrote the gospels? She replied, I never thought of it that way. Then he said, what you need to do is look at the places where the Gospels do not disagree at all. And what do you find? You find a core message that is revolutionary. Jesus was confessed as the Messiah by his disciples. He performed miracles and healed people. He forgave sins. He prophesied his own death and resurrection. He died on a Roman cross and he was raised bodily from the dead. So now, what are you going to do with Jesus? Even if the gospel writers have differences in their accounts, then this only adds to their credibility by showing they weren't huddled together in a corner cooking all this up. What happened to this young lady who was Muslim? Two weeks later, she became a Christian and ended up becoming a student at Dallas Seminary. Read the Bible and do some research and voila! And if you're a little confused, what this young lady did who had a Muslim belief is she read the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And she looked at them and she said, there are some differences in this book. But the thing about this book is those are four different biographies written by four different men. And the four accounts are different, but they're not conflicting. They're just different. And think about this. If witnesses reported were identical especially if they're identical in court, they most likely getting thrown out because that means they got together and they made the story up then. But like I said, the four gospels do not conflict in any ways. They just have different details and sometimes different reports, not conflicting reports though. So you can't tell me that Jesus didn't rise from the dead. Christ rose indeed, baby. And on this episode of put the Bible to the test, like you think you do other things. The third point where I hear people say they don't believe or don't trust the Bible is they say, I don't trust the Bible's translations. And I just want to point this out to you. The Quran, the Book of Mormon, all these other religious books, the Bible is without a doubt older. The Bible is way before these books. And the people that I was talking to that I mentioned earlier, they could admit that there was a God or there is a God and that there there had to be some type of creator. They were kind of into like metaphysics and I don't know. That was in some, into some different stuff. And my thing I always ask is like, so wait, you think a God is powerful and awesome enough to create this whole thing, to create this whole universe, but you don't think he's awesome and powerful enough to preserve his word and make sure it's not messed up? Make it make sense. And something I don't think people realize that even if you were trying to conspire or tamper with the Bible or make things up, the, the Bible is broken into two parts. It's the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament is before Jesus came. Now, in the Old Testament, there are 300 prophecies that the coming Messiah would have to fulfill in order to prove that he's the Messiah, he's the Savior. 
even if you're trying to make this up, that would be hard to fact check and go back and and make sure you hit every single one unless it was true, unless it was God. So God gives us those 300 plus prophecies in the Old Testament that Jesus would need to fulfill in the New Testament. And he did all of them. You can sit down one day and research that. That's going to take you some time. But he fulfilled 300 plus prophecies that were predicted 700 years before some of them, a thousand, couple thousand years before he ever came to walk on the earth as Jesus. Now, let's just look at the New Testament. All right. There are 24,633 New Testament manuscripts. That's 24,000 more than anything else. And it's accurate. And what I mean by this, so it's not an autograph. An autograph would be the original copy that like the Apostle Paul wrote on or the Apostle Peter wrote on. Those copies, they got destroyed. But we have copies of those manuscripts because how it worked in the New Testament is they would write letters to churches and congregations. And then people would copy exactly what was written. We had four biographies of Jesus that are within 50 years of his life. Now, if you compare that to another historical event or historical person, let's say Alexander the Great, his stuff comes like 400 years after his death. His first biography comes 400 years after his death. Jesus has come within 50 years. And we got four, four of them for Jesus. That's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And people always say, well, the translation messed up and there are tons and tons of errors. If there would be an error, it would be something like this. It has nothing to do with doctrine. It would be like they called him Jesus. Another person put Jesus Christ. That's the same person. It loses no loses no value, doesn't change anything of the context. But before we even get to the translations, there were people called scribes who copied manuscripts and they were so meticulous and their attention to detail was off the charts. They would count every letter for a book of the Bible. If it was off, they would burn it. Now, this is something that you can research. The Great Isaiah Scroll is one of the original Dead Sea Scrolls that was discovered in Qumran, I think I pronounced that right, in 1947. It's the largest and the best preserved of all the biblical scrolls and the only one that is almost complete. It has 54 columns containing all 66 chapters of the Hebrew version of the biblical book of Isaiah. So this Qumran Isaiah scroll is a thousand years older than what we already had previously. And you know what? Was there any differences? Nope. It was the same. So when people talk about stuff getting lost in translation, they have, I, I, I just don't think people have researched it or actually looked into it. God is good. God is more than capable than preserving his word. I just got to point that out to you. God is more than capable in preserving his word. So sometimes people ask, you know, why do we have all these other religious books? Like, why do they come? Where do they come from? Second Timothy verse four tells us that. It says, for the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. So think about this. We have all these other religions and religious books because the devil wants to have as many, as many routes and paths and ways to hell as he possibly can. Like if someone's job was just to get you off the path and get you off that road, the best way to cause confusion 
is to create a whole bunch of paths and to create a whole bunch of, of alternative routes that say, hey, you could end up at the same place. In fact, you might be able to get there quicker or you might be able to get there easier or you might not have to change something that you don't want to change. That is the microwave truth. Lies, lies, lies. So keep it real right now. Ask yourself this question. Do you reject the Bible because someone who called themselves a Christian hurt you? Do you reject the Bible because you think you have to live a boring life? Do you reject the Bible because you thought it was dumb and didn't have evidence and tons of proof? Be real with yourself. And rather you call yourself a Christian or not, read one of the Gospels. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And if you're really not familiar with the Bible, ask a friend or find someone who does have some way around with the Bible to do it with you. It's definitely something you can do on the Bible app. And again, this is for people that do believe in the Bible. And this is especially for people who do not mess with the Bible. Because I want to ask you that question. How much have you actually read it? When is the last time you read it? And a book that I mentioned earlier in the podcast is Lee Strobel's book, The Case for the Real Jesus. That would be a good read after you read one of the Gospels or start getting back into the Word. Put the Bible to the test. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit will show you there is a life changing message of freedom through Christ's death and resurrection that God wants you to have. And this is the non microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Put the Bible to the Test Like You Think You Do Other Things. This is definitely an episode to share with a friend who you know really doesn't mess with the Bible. Do you have somebody in mind? I know I got a few people in mind. And the reason I'm going to share it with them is because I love them. Like, they're supposed to be my fam. They're supposed to be my friends. That's good looking out. I'm praying for you, though. I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to knock down some walls. Make it happen, though. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I am out.